Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We worship you this morning. Father, I just pray that you will speak to each and every one of us what you have specifically for us this morning. Father, as I prayed even on, from Wednesday night, I pray the same today, that each person who is here this morning hears exactly what they need to hear. Father, I pray against any distractions that would try to distract us. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes over us. We thank you that Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death so that we can have life and have life more abundantly. Father, I pray for abundant life this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, how are we doing? We're good? We're doing all right? We're not swayed by the weather outside? No one is swayed by the weather outside. That's good. I almost was swayed by the weather this weekend. So Liz and I, she got up on Saturday, and we strapped on some sneakers, and we put on some workout clothes, and we said, we're going to go out for a walk. It's going to be great. We're going to get some fresh spring air. Now, mind you, we didn't check the weather app before we did this, and we said, you know what? We're going to take the baby with us. So we started looking. It was a little bit chilly. So I spend like 10 minutes getting the baby ready to go for a walk. I'm telling you guys, we were outside for like four minutes. Okay, it is cold outside. I don't know what's going on, but I am not going to be swayed by it. And so it did not mess up my day because I have a Jesus who loves me and cares for me. And these little things that happen in our lives, I am making a stand that they're not going to bother me because God is good and faithful to me. Amen? All right. So all that's to say we're in the middle of a series called Death to Life. And I want to share... I want to share two miracles with you this morning. And number one was last Sunday was Easter. How many remember Easter? Yes. And we had a wonderful and amazing service. And we just had a great time. And it was blessed and it was wonderful. And I gave, you know, the message on salvation, on Jesus Christ, moving us from death to life, accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And I, at the end of service, we had a song. And I met, if you guys were here, if you remember, I said, if anybody wants to make that decision for the first time, anybody wants to make a decision in your life to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, come meet me down here. Meet my wife and I down here during the, during the song. Okay, 
So those of you who were here, remember I came down here and Liz came down here, and we're just there waiting for someone to show up. Now, I know that God is moving on people's hearts. I know that he wants to show his wonderful saving grace. Well, I'll tell you what. We stood there for the whole song, and nobody came. And I said, that's okay. But church, God was moving on people's hearts. And I got back up here, and I said, well... That's okay, nobody showed up, but I'm telling you, there is still somebody here who needs to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And we closed, and I said, if that's you, come up. Well, church, I can tell you, we had three people give their life to the Lord for the very first time. They have made a decision for Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And we had three additional people say, you know what? I've been walking far from him. I want to turn my life back to him. So I can tell you that God is doing a miracle work. It doesn't always happen in the service. And the whole point is he is moving people from death to life all during the week, church. This is happening all during the week. And the point that he made to me is it happened after service. It doesn't have to always happen in service. God, that healing that happens in your knee, some of the times it's going to happen right here during service. One or two of you, I'm telling you, the healing is going to come when you walk out of this building. That is a word from the Lord. One of you or two of you, as you walk out of this building, that supernatural healing is going to happen. I'm telling you, you're walking in the presence of God All day, all week long, we have to stay there because that is where miracles happen. The other miracle I'd like to share is about our wonderful little Maggie May. So Maggie May is uh, baby number eight. She's our sweet little baby. And for those of you who have uh, had babies or raised babies or have seen babies, uh, which is all of you, don't raise your hand. That would be all of you. I get it. Uh, she, uh, when teeth come in on little kids, when teeth begin to form and come in in your mouth, they almost always come in pairs. So if, you, if you've witnessed a little kid, they usually come in pairs, like two here, two here, two here, two there. Like they begin to come in in pairs. Well, little Maggie May had, what, one or two? One or two teeth come in without the pair, at least one. She had at least one little tooth come in down here, and it came in totally. And the other two should have come in probably a year ago, at least a year ago. That other tooth should have come in. And we just started saying, you know what? That tooth is going to come in. I don't know if that tooth is actually there or not, but we are believing if it's not there, God is going to supernaturally create it. And if it is there, he is going to supernaturally take that tooth and say, it is time to come up. It is time to come out. So she's not walking around with this space here with two missing teeth where there's teeth on the other side. And so day after day after day, we begin to speak that over her life. And I tell you what, as I said earlier, that the tooth didn't show up immediately when I first placed my finger on her gum. But I placed my finger on her gum again the next day. And again the next day. And the family is praying and Liz is praying. We are believing that Maggie May's tooth is coming up in the name of Jesus. And we would believe on it in faith, which is what you said. We are believing in faith to receive that miracle from Jesus, from heaven. And I'll tell you what, little Maggie May had a very miserable day two days ago because she is cutting a tooth Where she needs to be cutting a tooth, which is right over here where there's been a tooth missing for over a year. So let's give the Lord a hand. 
because he is good. He is doing miracles every single day. And I say again all that because those who we prayed for your knee, walk in faith. Continue to believe that that healing is yours. You may not feel even right this moment that it absolutely all the pain is gone. Maybe you did, and that's amazing, and I believe that that can happen. But if you don't, continue to walk, continue to receive, continue to believe that he is your healer. He is your great provider. And as you walk out these doors and you go about your week, your miracle will continue to manifest. Your miracle will continue to manifest. So if those who got prayer for their knee, if you remember nothing else, remember your miracle will continue to manifest. Amen? Okay. None of that is written in the notes. Okay. John 21. I want to go through some scripture. I'm going to read a passage of scripture of John 21. uh, And this is basically breakfast with Jesus. Okay. This this, This is the disciples... Jesus has gone to the grave, but they have not seen him yet. And it says later that he has shown himself already to a few of the disciples. And the Bible says that he has shown himself to over 500 people after he rose from the grave. 500 people. But starting in verse 2, it says, and there's some observations when I want to read through the scripture. It's a little bit of a long thing. I have to tell you. Yes. Yes. It's gone. It's gone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amazing, 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 amazing. Oh, my goodness. Now I don't know what to say. Where was I at? Hallelujah. Boy, isn't that church? No. Oh, come on, church. Church, there are so many things he wants to do in your life. If we would only believe that he will do them. If you would stand in faith for them. He wants to do these things for you. He loves you and he cares for you. And he is a good God. Let that be a witness and a testimony to you. If you're sitting here, he wants to do a miraculous work in your life. Both spiritually, physically, relationally, all of it. Okay. All right. My goodness, this is good. John 21. Simon, I'm going to read just a portion of Scripture. And normally I stop and talk about it, but I'm just going to read all the way through verse 14. And then give you a couple observations. John 21, verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going to go with you also. And they went out, and immediately they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when in the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Did you catch anything, basically? Is there any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitudes of fish. 
Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. I love that. It is the Lord. As soon as we see a miracle, as soon as we see a miracle happen in our midst, it is the Lord. It's nothing that we've done. It's not our own work or effort. It's because of him and of who he is. Now then, Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, and he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and he plunged into the sea. I love this, reckless abandon. I plunge, he plunges into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, 100 yards, football field, to put it in perspective, dragging their net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it. And bread, and Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. All night, zero. Jesus says, Do it. Miracles happen. 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. I love that. That's the second part of the miracle here. The net should have broken. He wouldn't have said it's not broken, but the net should have broken. But God gives us what we can handle. He gives us because he loves us, and he wants to bring miraculous miracles into our life, and your nets will not break. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Observation number one. Jesus ends his ministry with Peter in the very same way that he started it. And I didn't realize this before, but if you back up and you go to Luke 5, you realize that almost the exact same situation happened. Peter's out on a boat. He catches no fish. Jesus says, throw the net to the, over the side, and he catches the fish. What happens this time? The very same thing. But there's a difference. Luke 5, starting in verse 5, says, this is what happened the first time. It says, but Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. What I see here is that Jesus never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. Peter, at the first time, he hesitated. Right? The first time he said, well, we worked, we already tried this, Jesus. We worked on this all the other time. We caught nothing. But what did Peter do this time? Immediately they put the net down. He didn't even know it was Jesus. He just had a faith rising in his heart based on walking with Jesus for three and a half years or three years, whatever it was. His faith was growing so much that he heard a word and said, I am going to drop that net right now. I'm not going to give all the excuses as to why I've been working all night and nothing happened. I'm hearing a word from the Lord, which he didn't know yet, and I'm going to throw that net. And he did. And here's what happened. The result was exactly the same. Observation two is Peter obeyed and, the, and received the same result. He obeyed the first time and it happened. Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, and he rises again from the grave, and he says, throw the net over, and the same miracle happens. 
So you can't tell me that because Jesus is now in heaven that the same miracle doesn't happen post his resurrection. Because it happened right here. It's the same one. There's absolutely zero difference between the miracles. No fish, throw it over, the net has fish in it. Which tells me is that Jesus Christ truly is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So because he went to the grave and he rose again, the benefits we have are far beyond what they were when he was on this earth. But the miracles still happen. The miracles still occur. Everything he promises is still available to us. If we obey, throw the net. Will you obey? Will you throw the net? Will you do what he's asked you to go do? That was observation two. Peter obeyed and had the same result. Observation three. John knew, which I love. John wrote it, and so he calls it the disciple that Jesus loved. I love that. Like, if I'm writing that down, like, yeah, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about this. You know, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Amen. You know what? That's not prideful, church. You can walk around and say, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Because you are the one that Jesus loves. He did what he did. He did it for you, individually for you. You are a son of the risen king. Come on, church. We are part of his kingdom. We can walk around with a little bit of excitement, a little bit of says, you know what? I am a son of God. I am who, I, who he says that I am. He is the great I am. And because he loves me, then I can be who he's called me to be. Shoot, I like John. That's good. John knew it was Jesus right away. As soon as he saw the miracle, I mean, they said they're 100 yards away. I don't know about your eyesight. I don't know about your hearing. And I don't know the dynamics between when you're on the shore and when you're 100 yards out from the shore, how well you can hear or discern. But they didn't know it was Jesus until they saw the miracle. They still couldn't see him. They still couldn't discern his voice. It didn't say like, oh, now my eyes were open. No, as soon as they saw the miracle, they knew Jesus was involved. Miracles in your life, when they happen, all you have to do is say, that was Jesus. Jesus is involved in my life. He wants to be a part of your life. If he's not part of your life, make him part of your life this morning. Point, observation number four. I got points later. So I'm just doing observations to start, okay? This is going to be like, this is going to go a little bit here. You guys are hanging with me. Observation four. Jump in no matter how cold the water might seem. Jump in no matter how cold the water might seem. If you remember from what I read, Peter didn't have his, whatever, his jacket on or whatever piece of clothing he didn't have. And he put it on and he jumped in the water and he swam. He said, I'm not waiting for everybody else. This is Jesus. The miracles happen. I'm going all in. I'm jumping in. And I say the water must be cold because who on earth would put more clothes on to jump in the water? That doesn't even make any sense. Like the boat's going to come. It's not like you're worried about them leaving your jacket somewhere. So it makes no sense unless it's really cold. So jump in. Jump in after Jesus with all that you have doesn't matter how cold the water is. And when I say that how cold the water is, those who are, what the people are saying around you, what they're speaking into your life, that's not of the Lord, that's not of God, that's not of the Bible. Jump in. Jump in. No matter how cold 
that water is. Don't wait around. Don't wait in the boat. Jump in. So I want to head to the, the next verse here where I left off in verse 15. I'm going to read a little bit here, and then we'll stop and talk about it again. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes. This is Peter saying, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep most assuredly that I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. When he spoke, signifying what his death would be, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, what's the word that Jesus used for the first time they caught the fish? He said, follow me. Fast forward these three and a half some years, and he says again, follow me. But the beautiful part of what I see here is that Jesus completely reconciles Peter. Complete and total reconciliation happened. Why did he ask him three times, do you love me? Because in the Bible, three means divine wholeness, and it means completion. Why did he ask him three times? Because just backtrack a couple weeks earlier, Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times. He denied him three times, and this time Jesus gave him the opportunity to completely reconcile. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. What Jesus was doing was helping Peter see that he truly still loved Jesus, even though he messed up just two weeks earlier. Many of us mess up two weeks earlier, and we let that carry with us throughout every single day, and we start making decisions in our life, supporting the, the, the thing that we did that we wish we didn't do. And we walk in, this, in sin and we walk in unforgiveness to ourselves because of what we've done over here. And we beat ourselves up over and over and over and over about what we did here. And what Jesus is doing with Peter is saying, put that behind you. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. What does this mean for us? It means that Jesus' death and resurrection allows us complete reconciliation complete reconciliation not part way if it was part way he would have only asked him twice or maybe once he asked him three times denied him three times confirmed him three times do you love me so what does this mean for us the first point we too can be completely reconciled to God I mean completely reconciled to God not part way, not halfway, not three quarters of the way, not 99.99% of the way. No. 
completely restored and reconciled to God, and it happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It happens. It's done. You don't have to go back to it. It's not something that's like, well, I got 90% of the way. I better do it again to get the 100% of the way. No, it's done. It's complete. It's total. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone is in Christ, if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation, completely a new creation. Everything else has passed away. Beloved, all things become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Continue to read, says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are completely sealed and whole, 100% forgiven for everything that you've ever done, completely, utterly, totally reconciled to God. It's totally done. It didn't matter what you did this morning. It's totally, totally done. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, that though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God. Those who have made Jesus Christ, you've made that decision, you are the righteousness of God. For everything, forever. The price has been paid. You don't have to go back. The second thing that I noticed here, the second point is once reconciled to God, we can be reconciled to ourselves. This is so important. We can be reconciled to ourselves. What does that mean? Church, I'm telling you, I know, many of you out there do not like yourself. It is a fact, it's truth. We beat ourselves up, we're harsh on ourselves. We speak negative to ourselves. We look in the mirror and we say things, not out loud, but we think thoughts in our head that are not of him. That is not how Jesus sees you. We as a church, as a people, have to be reconciled to ourselves. And when we start thinking of ourselves in this way, when we're not reconciled to ourselves, we begin to go down a path. Our spirit is completely whole, completely restored, completely reconciled, but our flesh is still walking in the world's ways. Our flesh is still doing what we wish it would not do. Same thing that Paul talks about. We have to work out our salvation day after day after day after day. Many a times, the way we look at ourselves is a response to our upbringing, how we were treated what people said to us, what happened to us in school, what happened to us in a relationship. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's Christ that lives in you. This is how we need to see ourselves. This is how we need to reconcile to ourselves. And the life which we now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. 
Not the life in the spirit. He says the life I live in the flesh, in the day-to-day, in the, 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 our bodies and our souls, how we're walking out day-to-day. We must live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved you, and gave himself for you. I do not set aside grace for God for the righteousness that comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Ouch. Oh. What he's telling us is reconcile yourself to yourself. You're already reconciled to God. Everything you've done, stop living your life as a reflection of what happened to you in the past. Stop looking at, your, at yourself in the mirror as a reflection of what somebody said you look like or what somebody told you you were going to be. It's a lie. It's not of him. We need to look in that mirror and see the one and only thing that we should see, and that's Jesus. And that's Jesus. This is what he's saying. I will have, he had died in vain. He died for you. We don't have to keep trying. We need to see Jesus when we look at ourselves. You know, the Bible talks about the two greatest commandments. In Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We get that. We're like, yeah, that's cool. We got that. I'm working on that. And the second is like it, like it, says this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Holy smokes. If you saw your neighbor and said to your neighbor what you say to yourself, when you see yourself or when you think of yourself, you would be one of the worst neighbors in history. You would. Truly, church, think about how you vision, how do you think of yourself when you wake up? How you think about yourself when you walk throughout the day? We have to see ourselves as God sees us. We have to be reconciled to ourselves. You would be a terrible neighbor. You'd be like, you know what? You start yelling at him. Hey, good to see you. You're terrible. You screwed up the other day, didn't you? You don't look that great in the mirror, do you? I mean, who says that to your neighbor? Nobody says, but what this is saying, what the God says is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You can't even begin to love your neighbor until you start to understand who you are, how Jesus sees you, and what he wants to do in your own life. I'm all about reaching the neighbor, but I want to reach you. I want you to see yourself differently. Then you can go reach your neighbor. We need to work on who God sees us as. If you're reconciled by God, you have nothing holding you back. And it's unfortunate, but most people, we don't love ourselves. We think there's something wrong with that, like it's weird or something. But the Bible clearly tells us we need to love ourselves. Too many times we think of ourselves as failures, not good enough, not worthy, I could do more. And the enemy who roams around, roams around, will take those thoughts One, he'll give you those thoughts. And if you have those thoughts, he'll continue to just add to them and feed to them until you begin to believe that you are not who God says that you are. And you begin to act in a way that is contrary to how God wants you to act in everyday life. This happens. This is real. Every one of us struggles with this to some level. We continue to punish ourselves. What I'm here to tell you this morning, church, is you no longer have to do the same things. You no longer have to do the same things over and over to prove your worth or to prove that you've already failed. 
Too many times we do things because we've already, well, I'm already failed. I'm already like this. I might as well just keep doing it. No, no, no. We don't have to do that anymore. Because complete reconciliation says, I don't have to do anything but other than see myself as Jesus sees me. I don't have to go back. I'm not, I can't work myself into heaven. And I can't do bad things to keep me out of heaven. Jesus has completely reconciled you. And we need to see ourselves this way. And point number three then says that this leads to the realization that we can have a new identity. We can have a new identity. We need to see ourselves differently. We need to see ourselves as the spirit man. Who our spirit man is, this is how we need to see ourselves. What does it look like? Jesus. That's what it looks like. We need to see ourselves like Jesus. The Bible is in Ephesians 1, we don't have the scripture, but it says that your spirit is sealed. It's done. It's a done deal. It's over. It's taken care of. Don't have to mess with it anymore. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own anyway. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor your God. Honor God with your bodies and who you are and what you do. That means in what you say about yourself and how you see yourself. 1 John 3, in verse 1, it says this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Church, you are children of God. You know, I reflect back on Peter. This is the man that Jesus says that he's going to build his church on. Peter. Hothead, a little bit wild, Peter. Cutting off people's ears. Denying him, denying Jesus three times. Totally not perfect. How many of us? Totally not perfect. But Jesus took him and then he completely reconciled him by what he did on the cross. And he said, Peter, you need to see yourself in a new light. You need to see yourself as I see you and in your potential and what the plans and purposes I have for you, no matter what the past looked like. And what, are, what did Peter do? He then received the Holy Spirit. He began preaching the gospel message. No matter what we've done in the past, we need to see ourselves as a new creation in Christ. The beautiful part about Peter is that he didn't stay where he was. He didn't stay there. Jesus moved him forward, moved him into his calling, no matter what had happened in the past. And for us, that's what he wants to go do with us as well. So what is our next step? Pastor Jason, what am I supposed to go do with this? This is a great message. I'm so thankful I came today. I need to see myself differently, but how do I do that? What do I do? Tell me what to do. I want to reconcile with God. I want to reconcile with myself, but what do I do? I'm leaving here in five minutes. What do I do? Here's what we go do. First of all, you need to read Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. You need to read it and read it and read it in every single translation you can get your hands on because this is how you are seen by God. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. 
There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I want to do the message translation. I don't have it on my finger, but I have it right here. Maybe. All right, listen to this. Message translation. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. The fateful dilemma. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Whoa. We walk through each day sometimes in a low-hanging black cloud. What's going on? You keep seeing yourself as the enemy sees you, which is not how Jesus sees you. We are making agreements that are not related and linked with the word of God. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air. Oh, the black cloud is gone. When we see ourselves as Jesus sees us, when we completely reconcile to him and to ourselves, the cloud is gone. Freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So what must I do? Go read that over and over. The first thing you've got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you need to do so today. After church, come see me down here. We'll start a new trend. We can do it after church. That's fine. I'll be here and we will pray for you. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Two, actively see yourself as a new creation. Know your new identity. Like, I don't know what that means. Then Google it. My identity in Christ. It'll take you 30 seconds to write that sentence in, Google it, and start reading through scriptures of how Jesus sees you now. And when you begin to believe it, you read it over and over. What happens when we hear the word over and over and over? Our faith begins to build. It begins to sit down in here and transform our minds. And then we begin to think differently. And when we begin to think differently, we begin to speak differently. And we begin to act differently. So if we can truly get a recognize, recognize who we are in Christ, with who is this, who am I in this new identity? It can completely change our life. The third thing we need to do is know our enemy. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Pastor Liz read last night, or last week at Easter, something that's, something, and what the title of it was, it says, I am not on trial here. I am not on trial here. And what we have to recognize is we have an enemy, and he's the one who was on trial. It's not you. He's the one on trial. And all the lies that he spews and the things that he says to make you believe and think that you're someone else and try to block that reconciliation you can have with yourself so you can love yourself and then you can go love others, he is working on that day in and day out. You are not on trial. And when we begin to hear things, 
we begin to hear lies from the enemy, we have to take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the last thing we need to do is we need to walk in obedience. We need to walk in obedience. The Bible says that those that love me will follow my commands. Walk in obedience. Understand who you really are in Christ and walk in that obedience. Walk according to the Spirit. And when we walk according to the Spirit, we will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And when we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, our lives will begin to transform on the outside what's already been done on the inside. And when we do that, it's like the spirit man begins to begins to swell up on the inside and our entire flesh, how we think, how we act, begins to dramatically change. Dramatically change. So Russ, if you want to come up here. I want to pray for you this morning. Because I know there are people here that many a times wake up and don't like themselves. And what God is telling us today, what the Holy Spirit wants to minister today, to those who, I mean, it's probably all of us, there are times in our life that each and every one of us struggles with who we are. And when we're struggling that way, we're struggling because we are not seeing ourselves as Jesus sees us. We're not truly understanding that we can be completely reconciled to ourselves the same way that our spirit man is completely reconciled to God and what he's done. So with every head bowed and everyone's eyes closed, if you say, Pastor Jason, today I just need you to be in agreement with me for strength to see myself as God sees me. I don't want to beat myself up any longer. I don't want my decisions today and tomorrow to be based on my decisions from yesterday. But this morning, I want to have a fresh revelation that I can be reconciled to you. And because of that, I can be reconciled to myself. I can turn away from sin. I can live a new life in Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation in him. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. So I just want prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, your hand, I see it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. I want you to do one more thing. I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. 
just stand right where you are. If you, raise, if you put your hand up, just stand up. Because Jesus wants you to take a bold step towards him. And by you standing up, getting out of your seat and saying, I'm no longer going to remain where I was, but I'm going to stand up and see myself as a new creation. Praise God. Father, right now you see those who are standing, those who wish they were standing, those who need to be standing. Father, we thank you for the reconciliation of the cross. Father, and I pray right now over these individuals who have been bold enough to stand up and say, lead me in your ways, God. Father, I know that you are faithful and you are good and you cannot fail and you will lead them. Father, I pray right now that today and every day moving forward that they would have a new radar. That the thoughts that come against them that are not of you would ping, would ping, would ping inside of them. That those thoughts would no longer enter unseen. That they would recognize the voice of the enemy and that they would say, no. Go in the name of Jesus. I am not selfish. I am not poor. I am not broken. I am not a mess. You're a liar. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you go. I hear you and I see you now. I am enough. I am good enough because of who he is. Father, that they would recognize the voice of the enemy and that they would say no. And then, Father, that they would be covered and surrounded by your love. That the truth that is in them would rise up like a wildfire and consume all that is not of you. Father, I pray that obedience would have a new place in them. That in this freedom, that obedience would rise up. That they would see it and know it and hold fast to it. And that they would see how easy and how light. You said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let them feel that. Let them know that. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. That they would walk in it. That this is the week of freedom. 
Thank you, Father. Praise you. Praise you, Lord God. Praise God. I thank you, Father. Praise you, God. If everybody just will join me in standing. I want to say a, just a prayer of benediction over you and over this week. Small group leaders will be coming to the front now. They'll be available to pray with you. Maybe you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You need to make that decision this morning. It says, I don't want to leave here not knowing that if something happened to me this afternoon, where I would go. You can be assured of your salvation today. Come up here and pray with us. If you have any other prayer need, prayer for healing, prayer for relationship, whatever it is, small group leaders will be up here and they're willing to pray with you. They will be in agreement with you for a move of God in your life. Just like we saw a miraculous move of God this morning in her knees, there can be a miraculous move in your life, both spiritually, physically, and emotionally this morning. So don't miss this chance. Even though it's late, don't miss this chance. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We receive everything that you've said to us today. We seal it in our hearts. Father, we're believing it's transforming our minds. We will take Isaiah 51 and Romans 8.1 everywhere that we go this week. You will lead us. You will guide us. For we are blessed and highly favored because of you. And we worship you, our risen King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today. And always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.